This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode number 190 of Youpreneur FM, the place to be if you are a personal brand entrepreneur wanting to build your business around you, your personality, your experience, and those that you want to serve. I'm your host, Chris Ducker, and thank you very much for being with me, as always. Today, I'm sitting down with my very good friend, Jenny Blake, to talk all about the entrepreneurial pivot and why we should never ever get tired of it. Change is a constant, my friends, and it's something that we should embrace, not push back on. I know you're going to love this conversation with Jenny. Before I get started, however, a quick reminder, if you haven't already done so, to go ahead and get free instant access to the Youpreneur Launchpad Companion course to this podcast. I know you're going to love it. ChrisDunker.com forward slash launchpad. Three videos, a few other bits and pieces that I know are destined to help you build a business you can truly be proud of and one that really does move the needle for those that you come into contact with. That's ChrisDunker.com forward slash launchpad. Go get access now because we could be taking this offline going into 2017. Okay, so having a chat with Jenny Blake is like having a really nicely crafted peanut butter jelly sandwich on a cold day when all you wanted – anyway, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, dear. Some of the stuff I come out with. Anyway, Jenny is amazing. I truly, truly love this woman, and she's so darn smart. Um, We haven't actually seen each other in person since 2014 at the – New York book launch party for my book, Virtual Freedom, where she was a guest. And I loved hanging out with her and I can't wait to be with her again. But today we talk about her new book, Pivot, and we talk about why we shouldn't be pushing that pivot move or that change in our business away, as well as how she actually went about launching and marketing this new book compared to what she did with her last book, which made her go straight into burnout. Trust me, she's not burned out this time. She's looking and sounding amazing this time around. So I know you're going to love this chat with Jenny. You know, it's one of the things when we talk about, you know, uh, publishing and, and marketing books, there's a lot of work involved, but Jenny breaks it down in such an easy fashion here, as well as obviously saying that, you know what, this is just another pivot that's going to move into another pivot that's going to move into another pivot. And she actually turns the mic on me a few times and throws me a few questions in regards to some of the pivots I've gone through in my career too. Here's my chat with Jenny. Let's go. Jenny, welcome to the show. Chris, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. And no, the honor is all mine and all ours as a group of youpreneurs coming together to better our lives here. You are one of my favorite people in the world. We were just saying before Likewise. we hit the recording button that we don't see each other anywhere remotely near as we both like, but there's this thing with you. I don't know what, maybe it's because you're kind of like very kind of, you're very namaste and yogi <laughs> and like your balance is there. And I just feel so connected to you every time we just chat. It's like we've just had lunch last week together kind of thing. I agree. And I felt that way since the moment we met. 
And yep. every time we've connected since, thank you for the namaste comment. I feel like you also bring such passion and zest for life that every interaction I have with you, I feel recharged. So yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Well, look, hashtag grateful, <laughs> hashtag grateful <laughs> forever. Okay. All right. So let's, let's talk about something that I know the Upano community is going to be really, really interested in. And that is ultimately books and books marketing and, and, and writing and all that sort of stuff. You've got a new book out and we're not here to talk exclusively about the new book, but the new book is out. It's called Pivot. The only move that matters is your next one. It's available right now. Hardcover, Kindle, Audible, the whole kit and caboodle over at Amazon. And I'll put links in, in the show notes for all that stuff. But what I wanted to talk to you about, and this is your second book, we should say, after um, your first, which was Life After College. You did a lot of things differently on this second book launch compared to what you did the first time, right? Like a bit of a hamster wheel job the first time around. You learn by your lessons and mistakes and what worked and what didn't. And this time around, you've approached it with a whole different mindset, haven't you? Yes. Well, the first time around, I had been working full-time at Google leading up, up until one week prior to the launch. And I didn't have any author friends, really. I mean, I had a few, but I didn't know which end was up. And that's why I created that 15-tab book marketing spreadsheet that I just needed to somehow organize mm -hmm. all of the information flying around. This time around, I was in a very different position. I've been running my own business five and a half years, living in New York City. Authors now, I'm very fortunate to call many of them my friends. They were my superheroes growing up. And, and so this time around, I simplified things. I also will say I completely burnt out on my first book launch yeah. to the point where it was a couple weeks prior to the launch and a friend was sitting with me in Chipotle and he said, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. He said, no, how are you? Jenny Blake, not the author, you. And I burst into tears. Yeah. And this time around, I wanted to have fun with the launch. I wanted to, my mantra was graceful messenger. I, it is a privilege to write a book. And although I consider marketing my Achilles heel as a solopreneur, we can talk about that. I did not want to diminish this launch by getting stressed about it. That just right. seemed counterintuitive and unnecessary. And so one big thing was giving myself permission to market in the ways that felt best and ignore the rest. Yeah, no, and I'm all about that. Like I totally get it. And I think anybody that's written a book and has you know done a ton of interviews and stressed out over marketing strategies and trying to hit the bestseller list and doing all these things that we do when we launch particularly our first book, right? Um, I think anybody that does that knows exactly what we've gone through. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. And you do, you learn so much in that first, you know, that first on, ride on the merry-go-round. Like you learn so, so much. But I also um, was very close to burnout in 2014 with Virtual Freedom. I did a huge book tour around the United States. Uh, we, I even took it over to the, uh, the UK and spoke at Google and tons of other stuff that we did for it. And by the end of the year, I was just like, I am never writing another book again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Have you ever said that to yourself? I mean, I know that you love writing, but like, have you ever said to you, like after the first one, did you ever say to yourself, that's it, I'm done, I've got nothing else? Well, I, I just said I've got nothing left. And yeah. that's why my second book is coming out 
five and a half years Long time. after because I needed two years to, to kind of forget that that ever happened. <laughs> you know? totally I mean, I'm so grateful for life uh, after college, but oh, I needed a break. And then I will say, because I took such a long break, my speaking gigs and things started to taper. And that's why I've almost had to rebootstrap my business in these last two years to get pivot out the door. Cause for two or three years, my best ideas were in my computer, mm. but I didn't have it in me to write this next book any sooner than I did. It's interesting. I mean, it, it's, you know, we need to take breaks, don't we? Right. But it's funny that you mentioned like, you know, because you took such a break, things started to slow down from a business position. I think a lot of people have that worry that if they do take too long of a break, that things will start slowing down or completely plateau or whatever the case may be. Um, and But I think with somebody like yourself, though, who's got such a zest for life that you can bounce back pretty quickly and pivot, there's the pun right there, and, <laughs> and move into a slightly different direction as and when you're ready to do it. I remember the first time I discovered you. Do you know what it was? No. Oh, my God. Enlighten me. You're going to love this story. You're going <laughs> to love wait. this story. So the first time I discovered Jenny Blake was when I was on, I think it was you, maybe YouTube, or I can't remember exactly what it was. It might have been Facebook. But either way, I was on a site, and I discovered the video of you unboxing life oh. after college do you remember shooting that one of your friends was holding the camera i think yes i do and in fact that's really funny you say that because i i uh, was about to uh open pivot when it came and i remembered recording the life after college one and i thought it's only right i've got to record this you gotta do it. so yeah that's so funny oh my gosh wow yeah so that was when i discovered you and then obviously you know we've spoken and met and you actually you came to my new york book party for virtual freedom as well and you hung out that was cool of you um are you, are you still based in new york full-time i'm still in new york and one of my words of the year that i have applied to book marketing is serendipity okay and i have to say that nowhere teaches that better than new york that every time I walk out my front door, anything is possible. Absolutely. So it's one of the reasons I love living there. I, I love New York. So, I mean, obviously, as a London boy, I'm used to this city and yes. the feel of, of, and the noise and the smog and all that. I wouldn't have any bloody other way. I love <laughs> it. Um, okay. So look, let's talk then about, I, I think, actually, let's break this down into a couple of things. So the first things first, I want to talk about how you did pivot after taking such a break and, and started to build up the momentum again a little bit. That's a very curious, I'm very curious in regards to that side of things. And then I want to talk about what you've done differently this time around with the launch of Pivot as an entrepreneur uh, slash author, particularly as, as far as I'm understanding, you did a lot of delegation this time around. So I'm really interested to see how you delegated that book marketing uh, kind of plan as well. But let's, can we start with a pivot? Can we talk, talk about how you got back into the saddle a little bit? Yeah, well, let me, for some reason, I now, looking back, think that part of my pivot path was getting to zero financially. That was one of my biggest fears in life. I've always been very frugal. I have saved birthday money since I was a kid. Like when I would get birthday money when I was seven or eight years old, I saved it for five to 10 years. I can't remember when wow. I finally cashed in on my birthday account, but I was that kid that would save religiously. And so after I left Google, I had first of all become the girl who left Google. 
and the girl who left college. So for two years on podcasts, that's what I talked about. And it started to agitate me that I left things, but who am I? What am I looking forward to? What do I stand for? And I started having a really rough year. It was 2013. I call it the apocalypse year. I was going through a breakup that really affected me deeply. I paused a lot of my business services because I didn't feel right continuing when I was in such a state of inner confusion and turmoil. And by the end of the year, pretty much got to zero. In order to stay in New York, I had to move. So I I had to put three months security deposit down because they don't trust us wily entrepreneurs. And my rent doubled overnight. My business income did not. And it got to the point where I didn't know how I was going to pay rent in two weeks. And so in hindsight, and in that moment, my choices were, I really, Chris, I really entertained. Should I call my former colleagues up at Google? And ask for a job. What now? What when was this? What year is this? This was in December 2013 into January 2014. Wow. Okay. And I really, I really worked through in my head: should I go try and get a job at Google again? And ultimately, the funny thing about being an entrepreneur is, I was like, it's not even financially effective for me to do that. Like, I would be spending 40 to 50 hours a week at a job. Um, earning what I could earn if I just took on three new coaching clients, right. you know, or something that would be like <laughs> right. 10 hours from the comfort before. of your own home with less right. time, et cetera, et so, cetera. Right. So it was like, if I put 40 hours a week into marketing and delivering services in my business, even if it were ones I didn't love for the long term, it just didn't make financial sense to go get a job, which is the weirdest thing to say. But, uh, but it does make sense, and I think uh, particularly with this audience, it'll make complete yes, and utter sense. Yes, this audience will yeah. get it. This audience will get it, yes. And so in that moment, I realized that the, the biggest mistake I made was rejecting what had, what had worked. I, I hired a business coach, and we were looking so far ahead to projects that were six months out and things that were so far beyond where I was that it, none of it was going to pay the rent. So when I got into the rent conundrum, I had to look at what got me here. And that was life after college. I had been rejecting it. Like, I'm ready to move on. But one thing, one practical thing I did, I called up all my former coaching clients. These were people who had already hired me, who I already knew I loved working with. And I asked them for 30-30s. I don't really believe in saying to someone, can I pick your brain? I think it sounds totally invasive and unappealing. But I asked for 30-30s. I said, I'll help you brainstorm for 30 minutes on your business. And then I would love 30 minutes of feedback on something I'm thinking of creating. At the time, it was called Brilliant Sparter. Now it's my private momentum community. But I built it with their feedback in mind. And so then when I had a beta version, a prototype, I went back to all those same people and I said, are you interested? I'll give you a really low rate. I've created this with your feedback in mind. I would love to have you be an inaugural member. And about half of them said yes. That is what started to pay the rent. And that's what makes it a pivot and not a 180. That I had to go back to some of the things that were already working. I love it. And and I love the fact that you became acutely aware of that in a situation which was, I mean, okay, let's not use the term do or die particularly, (laughs) but I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty dire for you for a while. It felt that way. It felt that way. And I, I asked a friend, am I delusional? (laughs) <laughs> Please let me know. Like, is the jig? We've all got one of those friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. Like, quitting Google, I I didn't really think I was cut out for entrepreneurship. I had never up to that point. Even though now looking back, I used to play business when I was a kid instead of 
like house. I used to play business and I used to play school. I loved making worksheets, which will not surprise you given how much I love templates. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I loved playing business. And I started many businesses since the time I was 10 years old. So uh, in hindsight, I see that the seeds were there. But when I was working at Google, I thought, I'm a good soldier. I'm a good employee. I'm good at following directions. I'm a straight A student. My identity was that I'm good at taking orders, basically, and being a, a part of the machine. And I wasn't convinced that I had what it took to make it on my own. And so when this dip happened, this getting to zero, I was wondering, you know, am I, is the jig up? Was I, was my inner critic right that, um, you know, hey, I had a good run a couple years and, and maybe it's up. And you're right. It's that fire, that grit that came in. I was so sure in my gut that I wasn't ready to throw in the towel yet. But then I'm left with, well, then how the do we get better at this part of my French? I didn't, I didn't ask you if it's okay to swear. But... Hey, we, we, Gary's been on the show a couple of times. <laughs> I'm just feeling particularly passionate talking to you, which is, and, and other entrepreneurs, because I believe in keeping it real. Oh, yeah. And I just thought, this is unacceptable. If we're all going to be going through change more frequently, especially as entrepreneurs, we have got to get better at it. And that's when I started to reverse engineer and come up with the pivot method, which is what the book is about. That's so cool. So ultimately, the book came out of, uh, and as so many authors write, either fiction or nonfiction, out of personal experience, which yes. I, I, that really attracts me to it. I think that's fantastic. Um, so, okay, so you kind of got back into the saddle a little bit, um, started making a little bit of money, then you get the book um, idea together. Do you sort of go through the traditional publishing route of a proposal and shopping it around, or did you call an old publisher friend, or what? what how did you get the actual book deal well, itself, real quick? Funny enough, I already had an agent from Life After College, yep. and when I took her the first draft of the proposal in 2013, so mid apocalypse year, I was not even done yet. Okay, I, I didn't know it at the time. And it was called the pivot year. And I thought, oh, I'll capture this really tough year of someone's life. And by the way, I took it to my agent and she said, I couldn't sell this tomorrow if I tried. Oh, gosh. So, Just so what yeah. every author wants to hear from their agent. I know. Here I thought getting the agent is the, is the easy part. I already had one. No, no. Oh. My agent rejected it. And, uh, you know, one response might be, well, screw her. I'll go get a different agent. But, I, you know, I wanted to be open to her feedback. And so... Then, as my life continued to unravel for the next six months, I realized that the topic is much bigger than one year. It's actually this repeating process. And I had been pivoting at the startup I worked at. Then I got to Google. I pivoted within Google. I pivoted when I left. I started to look back and realize, oh, this is much bigger than one year. Oh, yeah. And so I worked with her on a, a, a different proposal, and then we, we sold it later that year. And I, I do love traditional publishing. My editor, Natalie, has made the book so much better through her insight and feedback and collaboration. And it was important to me. And I will say that from the day I got my book deal, which was on my birthday, October 9, 2014, I, everything shifted. I was a happier person. I felt yeah. I had purpose and mission again. I feel so connected to this idea. It's one I can hang my hat on for the rest of my life that change is the only constant. Let's get better at it. And so that, it changed everything. And um, it's been really fun to interview people and coach people and help us all stop taking pivots personally 
and see them for what they are, which is often a product of our success. I think that's a good way of looking at it because, I, you know, like any other entrepreneur, I've pivoted several times in my career as well. And I, I've always, always taken a positive view of it. I've never taken a negative view of having to change things up. Tell um, me, Chris, I'm actually curious about hmm. how you made the pivot, the shift from virtual freedom into youpreneur. What was your mindset about thinking about your next direction after virtual Freedom came out. Um, so for me, obviously, virtual freedom came. You know, I had been online since the beginning of 2010, blogging and podcasting about virtual business, building virtual businesses, delegating the virtual teams, building, you know, yada yada yada, all VA 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 stuff. And obviously, then the book deal came along, and I ran with it, and it did very very well. It continues to sell very very well. I'm one of the, and I'm serious when I say this. I know a lot of authors. I'm literally one of the very few authors that I know that gets a good royalty check every quarter. Like a royalty that's check awesome. where they say, wow, that's holy crap, I'm still selling books. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm genuinely very, very proud of Virtual Freedom. But once the book came out and the year of promoting and signings and keynotes and everything had, had come and gone... Um, I was kind of burned out with the whole VA outsourcing angle. Um, and I started to think more about, you know, and everyone was asking, when's the next book? My publisher was asking, when's the next book? Um, and I just said, I don't know. I, I kind of need time to regroup here a little bit. And what happened was actually it, it was um, middle of 2014 when the book came out. I was hanging out with Pat Flynn at his house here in San Diego. I'm, I'm recording this in San Diego for everybody tuning in. Um, and we were talking about what our next moves were going to be. And he was talking about some of the things that he's now launching literally right now. And I was talking about, you know, how I wanted to sort of start elaborating a little bit more on the personal branding side of things, because it had worked so well for me across all of my businesses, not just the blog and the podcast, but my corporate business, uh, my call center was getting business because of my personal brand. Um, you know, the podcast was doing so well. We were selling tons of books, et cetera, et cetera. And we started kind of to develop this whole idea of not a solopreneur focus, but a focus of helping people build a, a real profitable, long game approach business around personal brands. So it was people like coaches and authors and speakers and experts and all this sort of type of thing. And I slowly but surely just morphed into talking about it more and more and more uh, until you know we launched Youpreneur as a community um, in September 2015. And we've now got over, I think we're at almost 600 members now. Um, wow. And it's, you know, look, it's great from a business perspective. It's recurring income, it's predictive income, which I love. But what I really truly love about it is the community itself. It's the people that are coming together with that common goal of, I'm going to build a business based around what I do, what I've done, and how I can help other people and how I can serve other people in their goals. Um, and it's just working with those kind of people. There's this clearly, easily the most fulfilling thing I've ever done as an entrepreneur. I love wow. it. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. 
That's so incredible. That was my pivot. Um, now, for the record, I still like talking about virtual assistants and outsourcing. I mean, I, I own a couple of outsourcing-based businesses, right? So I'm more than happy to talk about VAs and setting up virtual teams and doing all that sort of stuff. But it's just not the, should we say, the content machine focus anymore. And that makes a lot of sense. And that you're, that's a great example of a pivot coming very naturally where you're saying, I'm ready to expand expand the topic, expand the impact, and yeah. that it's related. It's not unrelated to virtual freedom, but you're broadening it in such an exciting way. Yeah, and I think, I think, I don't think people necessarily expected it, but I think when it happened, they got it. There wasn't yeah. a massive amount of resistance or friction. It was like, well, you know what? It makes sense. He's been blogging at chrisducker.com. He's been building his personal brand up for years. It makes total sense. And that was one of the biggest compliments that I would get from people. It wasn't necessarily the content or, um, you know, design or, you know, this and the other. It was one compliment I would get all the time was just love your branding, man. Love, mm. love the focus and the consistency and, you know, the way that you're building things around you and your expertise. Like, it's great. Just keep doing it, Chris. Keep. So I just, I, I decided just to roll with it. And um, here we are. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's good fun. Um, but look, enough about me. Let's talk about you again. Um, let's, let's zoom in a little bit more on the book itself, right? So let's talk launch. Let's talk what you did this time around uh, and how you focused. And I really want to zoom in on the delegation side of things because I'm sure yeah. that has enabled you just alone. That mindset has enabled you to not get burnt out this time around. Oh my gosh. It was, it was huge. So I'll say on the launch strategy itself, based on what I learned writing Pivot and really believing in a strengths-based approach, I asked myself, what do I most enjoy doing related to marketing? Because again, the word marketing is almost like a dirty word to me. Like, just <laughs> say it and I cringe. So I've never been somebody that actively really markets much of anything. I mean, I try, but it never, eh, it just depends. It has to be really natural and authentic for me to want to do it. And sure. so I'm willing to do it when I've worked so hard on a book. But let me just, it just doesn't come naturally no matter what I try, no matter how many strategies. Okay. So, um, so everybody so start I, tweeting Jenny with hashtag marketing just to just to wind her up. <laughs> Give her a little. Saying, yeah, yeah. I mean, the funny thing is people will look and say, wow, you've done such a great job uh, marketing pivot. And so it's a combination. But I, for me, in order to do it, I really have to connect with what I'm doing and saying. And so I really, going into this launch, said, what do I most enjoy? And what am, what am I best at? And what do I think will have the biggest impact? So I tried to look at the intersection of those things. And lucky enough for me, podcasting has hugely taken off in these last five years. Yeah. So while the first time around I did a blog tour, this time I did a podcast tour. And I reached out to friends like you. And uh, what's so fun about podcasting is the I think everybody wins. You know, the host gets new content. I get to be exposed to new audience and hopefully listeners enjoy the conversation. It's such an intimate format that I think people are more likely to want to buy a book at the end of a podcast rather than skimming an article yep. among thousands online. 
So I went all in on podcasting. I would say if I 80-20 the launch, then 80% was focused on podcasting and 20% was focused on writing articles for big, big publications like Fast Company. And then my publicist, Stephanie at Portfolio, did end up lining up a bunch of great traditional media opportunities. I will say I got mentioned in the New York Times Workologist column. And as amazing as that was for credibility and as seen in, I did not notice a noticeable bump in yeah. my website traffic. It's funny, from it. right? So let's let's yeah. talk about this real quick because I also feel, and I I did not do a lot of traditional media with virtual freedom, just very small amounts. Um, and I, I, if I'd have spent more time in New York, I probably could have got on a couple of uh, news channels pretty easily. But I I left. It was that simple. And I I never felt as if I really missed out on anything. Um, because everybody that I spoke to, they were, they were all about, dude, you've got to get people to mention you in their email newsletter or mention right. you on their blog or get you on their podcast. It was always the influencer marketing type approach where um, it was about getting somebody else to say, hey, this guy's good. He's written a great book. Go buy it. It'll help you. Um, That's and huge. without a doubt, without a doubt, podcasting for me was the number one needle mover. I mean, you know, I, I, I went hardcore. I think I ended up doing something like 45 podcast interviews in the space of three months, I think, mm-hmm. something like that. So, the, you know, around the, the, the launch of the book, you, couldn't, you could physically not be on iTunes and not hear me. Like <laughs> I was yes. bloody everywhere. I was on I was on uh, School of Greatness with Lewis. I was on Smart Passive Income with. I mean, I was li- I was everywhere with that book because of the relationships that I built up, and because obviously the people that were um, having me on the shows they knew that I was going to deliver great content for them. So I love the fact that you focused on podcasts this time around. It's so cool. Yeah, and. Uh- totally echo what you said. I felt like my launch was the story of David and Goliath. I'm a David. I have a a small but passionate audience. I mean, small is probably the wrong word, but compared to some of the shows that I was on, like James Altucher's show and Jordan of Art of Charm, they have massive, we're talking 800,000 downloads a month. My podcast, for comparison, might get 1,000 a month. So, to be on their shows, it's almost like they marketed Pivot, but they were so gracious to have me on because without being on there, and they, by the way, a lot of guests will often say to them, I've been on the Today Show and that was nothing compared to what your podcast yeah. did for my book. And I feel the same way. I'm, I'm forever indebted to those guys because they, they helped expose me to such larger numbers that I truly couldn't have done on my own. And I'm just, I'm very grateful. And I feel like the launch is as much a credit to them as it is anything I did other right. than lining that up. And like you, I did about 40 shows yep. and it was, it was so fun. And then I, I having, also feel that, let me ask yeah. you this real quick. Do you feel, and you don't have to name names and you obviously won't because you're a nice lady, but did you feel like you, you maybe did too many? Like some of them were maybe a little bit of a waste of your time, just some <laughs> of them? Because I certainly felt like that. I felt like out you of know, the 45 I did, I felt like, maybe eight or nine of them I probably could have skipped. It wouldn't have been a big issue. 
I'm sure that's true. I am more, I, I am of the mind that everything counts and you don't always know up front which ones are going to be, I mean, the, barring the massive shows. Sure. The, the ones that I felt, oh, regretful is not the right word, but there are one or two where I felt maybe the host said something kind of offensive to me or I didn't like their demeanor and I didn't know them and it wasn't a personal relationship. And right. I, and from a five minutes in, I was just like, Oh God, oh, why did I say yes to this? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I'm but you. you don't always know up front. And so thankfully not that many. And, um, I, I think because of how unique podcasts are, um, even if it has a very small listenership, they're, it's a powerful medium and you never know who's listening. So I'm willing to do it more so than I'm willing to write an article for some publication because that, for some reason, I really procrastinate on those. <laughs> and I'll also say that I started my own podcast, the pivot podcast, uh, when I, when I got the book deal. So two years ago and didn't, I thought it would be this side supplement to the book, like just some small side project. It ended up consuming and becoming the, my main love and, I think that in its own way, that was helpful too, because it also helped me build a new base of listeners that might be different from who's reading stuff online. Yep. And so by the time the book came out, um, it's been really fun to have my own show where I get to talk to heroes too and uh, and continue the pivot conversation on my own terms, which is just as important to me as getting to be a guest on other people's show. Yeah, no, I agree. hundred um, percent. Okay. Let's talk delegation. delegation. Let's, let's get to it, baby. Let's get to yes. it right now. Don't and do no. not. Don't you dare hold back on me. I want everything. Okay. okay? All right. Go. I'm the floor is yours. The oh my goodness. <laughs> well, let me say. So, first time around, I it was truly just me. This time around, I have a communications director, Marisol slash Miracle Worker, and a VA team. Uh, okay. Mandy Holmes has an amazing team. I think she works mostly with female entrepreneurs, but I had these two teams. So with Mandy's team, I delegate all my personal stuff. Well, as much of it as I feel like letting go of. Marisol helps me on all content, social media, drafting, setting up newsletter shells, setting up, we, we called it a pivot tweet sheet. And so she would draft tweets for four weeks prior to the launch and four weeks after. And then I would go in and edit and kind of put them in my words. Cool. And then we would upload to Edgar, which is what we're using for. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we use it too. It's great. We love it because it's evergreen. So when you write tweets that are evergreen, you can reuse them again, yep. which is really nice. Whereas Buffer didn't have that. So switching to Edgar was a big switch for this launch. And so Marisol was a dream to work with. We, we use Asana, which I use Asana with both teams. And I will say that I tried Asana about two years ago and hated it. So anyone listening who tried it even a year ago and said, eh, I didn't like it. It is so different now. And it yeah. has been a game changer for delegation and for not having tasks fall through the cracks. So okay. Asana has been our ninja tool and Edgar and Marisol. So one of the things I said to Chris before we hit record, this launch really challenged me to up-level my delegation. Yep. And some of delegation is a skill, but I think so much of it is what we are willing to let go of. And I had to let go of a new category of task that I previously would have held on to. And I had to take it up a notch and say, I cannot get all of this done myself. And so 
and I think all entrepreneurs, we have a certain level of tasks, especially after listening to one Mr. Chris Ducker for the last <laughs> few years. We know what it, we know how important it is to have help and to delegate, but we kind of hit a comfort zone with it, and we don't stretch ourselves until we have to. And one of my driving mantras for myself is stress is a systems problem. So I believe that when I'm stressed out, it's a systems problem, and that I actually need to now just ask the question, how am I bottlenecking here? What systems can I put in place to reduce this stress? And what can I delegate? What can I drop entirely? What can I delegate? Yeah. So uh, I and, have to, and let me just say, yeah, high ahead. five for getting to that point. <laughs> Thank you. High five. Okay, keep going. Well, yeah. So, so there came a moment, especially during the launch week, where I started assigning more and more to Marisol and trusting her to take the initiative. And I will say, and I think anyone who has a team can say this to your team, I actually had to say to her on a more meta level, a couple weeks prior to the launch, I'm going to need you to take the initiative even more, like proactively look for things that might need to get done, proactively draft things, feel free to respond to things directly. Don't ask for my permission. If we make mistakes in this more aggressive mode, that's okay. But I, I need your help because I'm not even going to know what to ask you for, or I'm going to be so tied up that I'm not going to even have it in me to like give you all the steps about. So, so I kind of gave her that direction that, um, and permission to go ahead and step it up, go ahead and be a little more aggressive with getting things done. And I'm okay with that. And that was important for both of us, for me to say it and for her to hear it. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, so you kind of, are, are you almost at the end of the of the, the whole kind of launch now? You pretty much I, are, right? I would say so. I'm saying we're, it's, it's exactly one month post as we're recording this. And okay. now it goes into the long tail of marketing, yeah. which is my jam. I love viral growth. I really think the way a book is successful is that when someone finishes reading it, they say to a friend or ideally two, you have to read this book. Yeah. And that it starts to grow exponentially from there. Guerrilla marketing, if you will. Oh, yeah. Do you think this book is going to outsell Life After College, your first book? Oh, my gosh. I, this book feels like the love of my life. <laughs> are, you, are, you actually swooning? are you actually swooning right now from side to side? So are you oh, swooning? Is not, I don't mean to be like uh, weirdly. It's not about ego or anything. It just feels... Like, I hope it does. I really hope it does. I've written it with, with everything that I've got. And um, while I don't, I'm not the type to set specific sales goals, mm-hmm. my hope and prayer is that it does find its way in the world and, and does really well. Life After College has sold about 40,000, which is really good. You know, That's most awesome. books sell about 10,000 if they're lucky. Well, actually, so I too get you know, the, 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 stat, the stat on, and, and this is, as of Virtual Freedom coming out a couple of years ago, so because obviously that was when I was really looking at it all, the stats actually are a lot worse than that. The stats are that 97%, apparently, 97% of all nonfiction books sell less than 1,000 copies. Wow, wow. In their lifetime. I mean, that's ridiculous. No wonder, wow. no wonder publishers are becoming so gun-shy, right. right? Like 97% of all nonfiction books, as of a couple of years ago, would sell less than 1,000 copies. Wow. So if you're doing 10,000, you're already beating the odds, like, 
crazy. If you're doing 40, 50, 60, 70, you're crushing it as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, and I was lucky. Um, so after I marketed life after college, again, I immediately had to turn toward my business and earning a living. So I stopped actively trying to market it. And a year later, Target came out of the blue. I had nothing to do with this deal and bought 15,000 copies. What? And because of that, I earned out my advance. The book got a second wind and it was later published in three languages, Korean, Japanese, and Chinese. And my hope with Pivot is kind of, you know, I believe marketing, of course, we've got to work hard and there's the initial push, but it's also having faith and trusting that if, if, you know, I put everything that I had into creating a really quality product. And I believe that if something is truly genuinely helpful, it will take on a life of its own, but I don't know that I get to control what that is. So while I would love to see it sell a hundred thousand plus and go into other languages around the world, uh, you know, there are no guarantees, but I do have a good feeling that it can have a long shelf life and that's my hope for it. That's good. Okay. So what else did you do this time around differently other than just helping with the, you know, the, should we say the day-to-day launch stuff? Was there anything else big that you let go of this time around? I started to notice what I was having the most resistance around. And it was, so in order of preference, I loved doing podcasts, my own and others. Mm -hmm. Then I did not mind getting interviewed for articles or stories. That was fine. Then when it came to be a written interview, I noticed I would procrastinate on those. There was a kind of linger in my Gmail inbox with a star next to it. (laughs) (laughs) And then writing original content. For some reason, I just felt so spent from writing the book and it was it was fine if I could excerpt parts of my book and right. modify it, but when I had to write from scratch, I just felt wiped out. So I ended up telling, I had a publicist here in the US and one in the UK and just saying to them, for some reason, this is feeling really tough for me right now. I'm not opposed, but can we, can we try for all the other avenues first? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do video interviews, I'll do anything you want. But writing original content right now, I'm struggling with it. It's funny. Isn't and that so funny I how we struggle with things know. like that, right? Yeah. We really do. We, Some but, people are machines. I know. They crank it out like nothing in I know. Sleep. It's crazy. I, I, but I, what I really appreciate in that is that you felt it and you told the powers that be at yeah. this moment in time how you felt about it and, and that you didn't really want to go down that avenue unless you really, truly had to. Yes. Um, Unless it was and did they really listen? like... Yes, because, you know, Fast Company was a dream of mine to get to do an article for them. So yep. I did. That was that was fine, even though I still procrastinated on it. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, just saying it out loud, I don't think I would have five years ago. I think I would have assumed that everything that came my way I had to do. Right. And, and this time I wanted to let them know also so they knew what and how to pitch. So kind of help them help me in a sense. And so... Um, yeah, they, they still came through, but they, they, they were so sweet. Uh, David over in the UK, if you're, if you're listening, David, I love you. You're the best. And Stephanie here in the U S what's amazing was they started to email me and say, don't worry, this one's not an original. It's a uh, excerpt, you know, <laughs> like that. And so they were prefacing it with calm down, really take it grateful. easy. <laughs> yeah. Like they were paying, they were trying to work with me on it. And I appreciate that. I love that. Okay. So to wrap up here then. 
What is next for Jenny? What is Jenny going to, other than taking maybe a little bit of time off, but not too much, please, right. this time around, right? But other, <laughs> other than taking a little bit of time off, no doubt, in the very near future, what, what, have you, what do you think uh, your focus is going to be, say, in the next 12 to 18 months? Well, it's really interesting because at the launch party for the book, I shared that I'm at another pivot point. I've been working on pivot as my identity for three years. And now that I'm on the other side of the launch, I talk in the book about pilots, career and business experiments. And they're like racehorses at the Kentucky Derby. We line them all up at the starting gate, and we don't know which one is going to pull ahead. So I'm at this really interesting point where I have all these now scalable uh, income opportunities that I've created. I have my private momentum community for solopreneurs and side hustlers, much like yours, Chris. Mm-hmm. I have workshops that people can run in companies. I have a team of six pivot coaches that I've trained. So at least now I've set things up where I'm not the That's bottleneck. Cool. That's cool. But I, I don't know which one's going to pull ahead. And I'm okay with that. This time around, I am so much more comfortable sitting with the question, what's next, and letting the answers emerge than I am the last time. And that feels like a huge win. And anybody who is an entrepreneur is learning that skill of how to sit at the edge of uncertainty and be okay with it. Yeah, I love it. Well, look, I you sound really chilled right now. <laughs> e- either my interview yeah. skills are second to none or or you're just kind of to the end. <laughs> Maybe, look, let's go with that. I think it's there both. Is no, let's yeah. go with both because okay, I go. think you're a, you're a pro. Well, look, a little bit of relief, right? A little bit of a a friendly chat about things, maybe a slightly different angle than what you've been doing over the last few weeks on things as well. But I think also that, um, you know, I know the relief of when it's done and done. And like you say, you go in what I call the the 3M. So I call it the um, maintenance marketing mode. Ooh, oh yeah, we call it 3M. Oh yeah, 3M baby. 3M. So so we call it 3M. You now go into that. You go into that 3M kind of setup where... You can sit back a little bit and let and let that 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 kind of momentum that the book has naturally built up as a result of the launch kind of carry on things. Um, and th- the one thing that drives me nuts with some authors, and they will rem- they will remain nameless here, but one th- one or two things that really drive me nuts with authors is that they're all about the book. They're all about selling mm. the book, selling the book, selling the book, selling the book on launch, and then after that two, three week, four week period max, they go quiet on it completely and that shows to me that they don't have a longevity type of approach of of getting that book's message out into the world what's interesting about that is i think sometimes it's not on purpose but if you don't pick a big enough or compelling enough topic from the start that's what's going to happen that you're going to be so sick of it by the time it comes out yeah so it's challenging and and much like you know it's interesting um I realized that my leading, I love building the business. I do not consider myself a writer. The writing's uh, tougher for me. I love the system <laughs> side of things. But just like how you pivoted from virtual freedom to youpreneur, it's, it's about we've got to, as a thought leader, if you will, although some people hate that term, we've got to kind of get quiet again and listen. What do people need right. next? What can I really connect to next? What am I going to be willing to still be thinking about and researching and talking about for the next five years? And so that doesn't come overnight, but it's important to start asking the questions. Yeah. And 
one other thing I'll say post-launch, we talked before we hit record, I'm excited for what I call serendipity popcorn to start popping. Like part of the post-launch is just a little bit of a waiting game to see who finds the book and who starts reaching out. And there's something really exciting about that. Well, I can't wait to see what you do next. I think it's going to be great. Thank just you so don't, much. Just don't take so bloody long next time around, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, it, whatever it ends up being. Um, <laughs> you guys, I will give you show notes, to, uh, or links rather, to everything in the show notes. You can grab them at chrisducker.com forward slash episode 190. But real quick, pivotmethod.com and jennyblake.me is where you want to go for everything Jenny-focused. Jenny, I love you. I truly Chris. do. You're so awesome. I love you. Right back. Thank you so much. I feel the same way. And you're, I feel very, very wonderful, very warm and fuzzy now. Thank you to everybody for listening. I'm really grateful. Thanks again. Okay. You guys, I'm going to be back at you again next week. Next week, we have Brian Harris on the phone and he's dropping value bombs from great heights on the subject of building an email list super fast. I know you're going to love it. Make sure you tune in. Until then, take good care, and I'll be back at you right then. Bye for now. It's the idea of an entrepreneurial community where you get to learn from the best in the business, as well as rub shoulders, gain support, have access to immediate feedback, as well as nonstop accountability from your peers, is something that excites you. Then visit youpreneur.com for more information and to get started on building a business you can truly be proud of today. That's youpreneur.com. We'll see you on the inside.